Welcome to the Pittsburgh Dish. I'm your host, Doug Howman. Is it pronounced macaroon or macaron? Our guest this week sets the record straight and gives us some grace. Are you always looking for that delectable breakfast or lunch spot? We'll check in with Anna Anthony and see where she's going lately. And do you have that old world recipe that's an ultimate favorite? Well, for one listener, it's stuffed cabbage rolls. We'll talk with him just ahead. Stay tuned. We want to thank Isley's for being a sponsor of the Pittsburgh Dish. I love taking Isley's chip chopped ham and using some puff pastry to make some turnovers. I stuff it with a little provolone cheese and maybe a dill or sweet pickle as well, seal the edges and bake them off till they're nice and golden, and serve them with maybe a little Isley's barbecue sauce on the side. So delicious. You can find more recipes at Isley's.com. Now on to the show. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Why don't I have you introduce yourself to our listeners, who, who you are and what your business or businesses are? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Um, my name's Hannah Olson, and I'm the owner of H.O. Melange. Um, it is a bakery, a mm-hmm. non-storefront bakery at the moment that where I specialize in French macarons. So mm. um, really, that's all I do. But um, we'll see. There are a few other things in the works. But for right now, we're highly specialized. <laughs> all right. And I love that name, H.O. Melange. Uh, when I saw it in print... It just seemed very fancy. Can you tell me a little bit around the meaning behind all of that? Totally. It's a little convoluted, um, but it is very fancy. So melange, I'll start with that one. It's a French word. Mm-hmm. It means variety or medley. So when I was trying to come up with a business name, I was like, oh, this is really, it's a really pretty name. It means a pretty word. And I wanted to offer um, a, a wide variety of things, specifically highly elusive pastries mm-hmm. and goods. And the first word HO is literally, it sounds, you know, it sounds complex or, you know, like a foreign word, but it's honestly just the phonetic spelling of my initials, which are HO. Oh, Hannah Olson. Yeah. A lot of people get caught up on the pronunciation. I have good friends that were calling it like Achu. (laughs) I think I may have done that the first time I saw it. Oh, yeah. I mean, most people. It looks like alphabet soup to most people when you see it because it's two non-words. Mm. So, um, you know, they tell you in marketing, I remember my college classes, they say, um, if you have a non-word that's simple, it's easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's the lines I was thinking along, but then I picked two non-English words. And so it, I think it just confuses people, but- yeah. I, I think it works. I mean, they, they see all the letters and they're like, oh yeah, that's the one, the one I can't pronounce. So exactly. <laughs> it still go. works. It's still memorable in its own way. And the way you write it, it starts with an A. So hopefully it comes first in the listings. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> I wish I could say that I thought of that. Well, happy accident. <laughs> There's another clarifier I'd like to dig into because I'm, I'm a Pittsburgher and I don't know about all of our other listeners, but uh, the correct pronunciation of your confections is yes. a macaron yes. or very fancy a macaron. Something yes, you like can. That. Yes. Uh, we Pittsburghers should say macaron. If you want to be very authentic about it, you could say macaron with oh, like the little, I, I don't know even, what you even call that well, sound or if I did it right. I'm going to sound terribly uh, German <laughs> if I do that. <laughs> Um, but I also, I never correct anybody. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say macaroon. 
Uh, and I think especially a lot of Yinzers would say macaroon yeah. just because all of us. Yes. I mean, I'm a Yinzer. Me That's too. what my first, I think, month of making macarons, I was looking up macaroons because that's just how I thought they were pronounced, even though, I mean, I saw the spelling, which by the way, is the key difference mm-hmm. between the two. Um, but yeah, I called it macaroons and there are French pastry chefs in Europe that also call them macaroons. Ooh. So yeah. So honestly, it's it's a huge debate in the macaron <laughs> world. And if you go on Instagram and take a look, you will see a lot of very angry people on both sides. A spicy but, conversation. Yes. That's a spicy yeah, macaron. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> expect it. But um, but yes, technically it is macaron. Um, it is spelled with one O M A C A R O N. And then you have the macaroon, which is technically the meringue and coconut confection that's usually like dipped in chocolate. That has two O's. So as long, so when people come up to me, I never correct them, as I said, but when people come up to me and they are looking for a macaroon, I say, as long as you know you're getting a French macaroon, that Mm -hmm. is technically the little bougie sandwich cookie that I make. Now, if you say a coconut macaroon or a coconut macaron, that is when you're going to get the the obviously yeah, the, the shredded of, coconut the gro- yeah. the sh- kind of glob of shredded coconut that I could yes. probably do. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's also go there with the macaron that you actually make. If someone has never had a macaron, what, what is that? It is a sandwich cookie. You mentioned that, but it's, it's not like an Oreo. No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> not your traditional sandwich cookie. So not like a gob or Oreo, anything mm, like that. Gobs. Uh, <laughs> ate right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a macaron is a, I would say it's more it's more like a biscuit than mm. it is like a cookie when okay. you're talking about the individual shells. So it's very simple ingredients. It's just made with sugar, egg white, and almond flour. Oh. And that's it. And so you make a paste of the almond flour and the uh, powdered sugar, and you mix it in with a meringue. Okay. And that's what gives you the fluffy texture. It's very light. It's like melt in your mouth. Yes, yes. Crunchy on the outside, but then soft on the inside, uh, which comes from the filling. Yes. Obviously, the you know adhesive for your sandwich, <laughs> which can be buttercreams or ganache or fruit preserves. Honestly, anything you can think of can go in the middle. Wow. And that's what gives them their texture, if done right, and all of the different flavors that mm. you can achieve with them. Sounds amazing. And I have to say, for anyone that hasn't seen your pictures, your creations look amazing. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I I have to wonder how many colors and varieties that you've made over the last couple of years. Do you have any idea? I would love to know. (laughs) Um, The the great thing, and that's one of the reasons I love macarons so much, is because there are so many different Mm -hmm. options. I use powdered gel food coloring because mm-hmm. their macarons are super finicky and you can't offset the wet to dry ratio. Mm. So I use colored gel powders, but that also allows me to mix them. Mm. I do a lot of color matching for weddings. So I'm sure I could take a deep dive into the archives to see, but yeah, I, I mean, upward hundreds, hundreds of different colors and color combinations. It's so beautiful and vibrant and not <laughs> only the the individual Am I saying it right? Cookie or biscuit? Do you want? Do you like to refer to them as cookies? Uh, see, that's a weird question because I always change it up. I don't ever call them biscuits, but just in trying to describe it, yeah, I yeah. felt like biscuit was the right word. They're definitely more of a cookie, but mm-hmm. I also just call them pastry. Right, a There's, lot of the time. So they are in their own category. Yeah, they're they're an anomaly. That's really. cool. <laughs> the way you display them uh, is also, I think, super important. I'm I would encourage our listeners to go out there and check out your page, your website, because not only are you just buying this really 
beautiful confection, but you have these towers and like you just said, for weddings, there's the color matches. I think I've seen where you've printed something on like the top cookie. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the visual display I think is not the most important because obviously the taste and Mm -hmm. the texture is most important, but your eyes eat first absolutely, as you well know. (laughs) So I do try to make very visually stunning and eye catching pieces, especially for an event like Mm -hmm. a wedding. A lot of the time I'm tying in the bridesmaid dress color or the floral color to help either tie in the cookie table to the rest of the room to make it cohesive or just to show off the personality of the couple. Mm -hmm. So um, I recently have purchased this edible printer and that has allowed me to put the pictures and wedding monograms and logos on them. It's, it's so cool. It looks super cool. I put it off for a long time because it's also so expensive, but, (laughs) but it's, it's such a neat tool because I can take, uh, I can take, a, for example, a picture of someone's mom for her mm-hmm. 60th birthday oh. and isolate her in the photo, add another layer and put like numbers in the background and print that image on cookies. Or like I said, like a monogram or I'm doing a wedding this year where their dog will be the main feature on the cookie. Oh. So the, it just increases the already endless possibilities of the design options with these macarons. Oh my. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the business and even about how you've got here. It's um, something you've been doing the last couple of years, right? When did you officially start and so create your business? So I officially, well, I created my business in 2019, mm-hmm. in summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. I started on this, we'll call it macaron journey, and <laughs> <laughs> probably the spring of 2018. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a little while. Um, I don't even know what year it is at this point, 2018. So it's been like six years, yeah. I guess. Amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And before that, were you baking? I mean, where did your journey and introduction to <laughs> macarons happen? See, I always um I always question myself or I always get a little uh jealous when I tell my origin story because so many food entrepreneurs or artisan food makers that I know, when they talk about their history, it's oh you know, I grew up baking with my grandma and we have all of these like cultural and traditional recipes I wanted to share with the world. Or Mm -hmm. I knew from fifth grade that I wanted to do this. My younger sister, for example, she's a pastry chef Mm -hmm. and much better than me, (laughs) but she, and she knew what she wanted to do since high school. And then there's me. I mean, I liked baking, Mm -hmm. but I, I mean, if we're talking like Betty Crocker brownies out of a box, like that's, that's a start. Yeah. That was the extent (laughs) of my experience and my, you know, my passion into baking. Um, I always like to be creative and I, you know, I, um, had an Etsy shop where I did a bunch of hand painted things, which plays into designs on the Macs yeah. that I do. But in terms of baking, it just kind of happened very unexpectedly. Wow. I, um, I was working on my aforementioned, uh, handmade business mm-hmm. and I found myself doing the same few orders over and over again. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to teach myself a few new skills. Mm -hmm. And I made a little resolution and I said, every month for the next year, six months, however long it lasts, I'm going to teach myself a new skill to do with my hands. So the first month I think I did crochet, Mm -hmm. which did not go very well. (laughs) I think I made like three little rings like around my center point and it's (laughs) it's very sad. It's like half a coaster. Well, you tried it. 
I did. I tried it and, you know, I kind of figured it out and it was fun. But at the end of that month, I was like, okay, ready to move on to whatever's next. And the next month was watercolor and I already had my foot in the door with painting. So it was just something new. And the third month I said, okay, why don't I try to bake something? I Mm want to make something food Mm -hmm. that is challenging. That's really pretty. And I was just on Pinterest and searching macaroons because I didn't know the difference. And uh, I kept seeing those and I thought, wow, this is so, these are so pretty. They're, you know, they're super bougie. They're really fancy. And my thought process was, oh, if I could teach myself how to make these, I could give them out as gifts to all of my friends who are getting married, essentially. Because in 2000, what I say, 2018, Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were engaged, getting ready to have kids. And I thought, wow, what a nice handmade gift this would be if I could make this. So, you know, I set my mind to it and I started and they were very, very mediocre, if I'm being (laughs) nice. And... um. But I, but I had a lot of encouragement and, you know, my friends were like, well, these might not look great, but they taste great. Yeah. So I kept practicing and one month turned into three months, turned into five months. And I just, I never picked up month four. And so it's, it literally was just this silly little thing that I was trying to teach myself how to do. And it turned into a business Where right did, under my nose. I love it. I, I think that's the best story. And yeah. you, so you didn't grow up <laughs> munching on macarons in, at right. home. I didn't even know what a macaron was until I was probably 28. Uh, <laughs> uh, ditto. I think the same. Um, where did you, how did you learn? What were they online resources? Did you take a class? So I did a lot of recipe reading on Pinterest mm-hmm. and kind of just trial and error by myself at first. Mm-hmm. And then um, actually I was searching macarons on Instagram, looking for some inspiration, looking for people who were better than me that I could learn from. And I came across the page of, she's a Brazilian pastry chef Mm. and she's classically trained. Her name is Natalia Mendonça and she had a class and she is so nice. She chatted with me, even though I hadn't been a student, she answered a lot of my questions. And I said, you know what? Like I'm going to learn how to make them the way she makes them Mm -hmm. because at the time I was using a French meringue method for macarons. You have French, you have Italian, and you have Swiss Mm. meringue that you can use. So she uses the Italian method. And I thought, Uh, okay, I was like, I'm going to try it this way. The boiling sugar syrup is terrifying, but let me try it. (laughs) Um, And so she has a course and she helped me troubleshoot everything and has been like my biggest cheerleader throughout the whole learning process. And I want to say that was in 2019 that I found her and she's been in my corner ever since. And she's a wonderful mentor, uh, not only in, you know, uh, wiping the tears away when they all fail, (laughs) but also just in terms of, you know, running a business and growing a pastry oriented business. So she really taught me amazing. Yeah. Like everything that I know. Is she local or was this an online class? Uh, so she's definitely not uh, local. She Uh lives in Brazil. So yeah, she lives near Sao Paulo, Brazil. And, um, but yeah, so we were able to meet in person one time. Yeah. She came with, um, another, big name in the macaron world uh, to New York City. And a bunch of us 
Instagram friends that make macarons, we all kind of like converged oh, in New York amazing. city. And yeah, we got to, we got to hang out. We spent a few days together. We went to New York cake and we'd had like a little competition where <laughs> three of us like baked off against each other. It was, oh my. yes, it was, it was really cool. I was very fortunate to be one of the people that got to compete. I had to, um, I had to make a hot dog macaron, which wow. yeah, it's, it's, it was very fun. And, um, you know, it was just like, our own little food network <laughs> experience. So it was not on food network, but okay. maybe someday we well, will be. <laughs> put it out there in the if universe. If you're listening. Yeah. A little plug. <laughs> I love that. I, I just think that's an incredible, you know, you, you started your first year on your own and then really like took your actual 10,000 hours to the next level with, with great help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I don't think that I think that I could still be doing it if I had been alone, mm-hmm. but the way that she taught me how to make them and just the support that I got from her and friends as well. But it really, that changed the game for Mm -hmm. me and just, it opened so many doors and to new relationships and, you know, just different ways of looking at my hobby turned business actually as a business. Yeah. I think it really feeds the social side of that, the support side of that. We all kind of need that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially when you have, you know, something that I had no experience in before. And it's very easy for imposter syndrome to set in like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not, I'm not French. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any training, like it's YouTube so training maybe, but yeah. And it's easy to get down on yourself and doubt yourself. But when you have someone that is relentlessly supporting you, it's, it change it does change everything. This is Hannah Olson from HO Melange and you're listening to the Pittsburgh dish. So you moved from the Etsy shop are you, and you're not Nestle doing the painting anymore? No, I don't have time for it you anymore. It's all macarons. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell me a little bit about that transition, like forming your own business. And now you're you're having to bake in like a certified kitchen, right? Yeah. And then do your deliveries or the events. Like what are some, you know, what are some highlights from that or some yeah. lessons you've learned? So um, that's a really good question because that is, it's come straight out of, you know, my little origin story there is I was just, you know, bebopping along with my mediocre macarons. And (laughs) my friend Sonia, she reached out to me and she said, Hey, I have this work event coming up and I would really love to support your macaron making business. Can I get 150 macarons? And I was like, Hey, thanks so much for thinking of me. What macaron making business? And, and the more I thought about it, I was just kind of like, you know what, like, why not? Like, why not me? Why not this? I love doing it. And that was kind of the push that required a decision. Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to move forward with this and move away from what I had been doing? And I just, like I said, I said, why not? We'll try it out. We'll see how it goes. And so I had just been doing it for close friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And once it got to the point where I was getting requests from people that I didn't know, I was like, oh, maybe I should uh, get insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is serious. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe I should protect myself and my assets. Um, But yeah, so I kind of had to look at it and say, like, do I want this to be a hobby or do I want this to be a business? So after that, that big request, I was kind of was shocking and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well like let's, let's make this legitimate and make it so that I don't have to be looking over my shoulder for the health department. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I went through all of that. Um, creating the LLC is not very complicated, mm-hmm. but emotionally it can be. Yeah. Um, so worked through that, did the whole insurance thing and 
in terms of a kitchen, I can't have a cottage license because we have dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, love them so much, Captain and Dolores, but they ruined oh, that for me. Sort of perpetuated that you needed to have a kitchen elsewhere. And I did see somewhere on your website this Batches Bakehouse. Yes. So tell me a little bit. Is am I am I picking that up that that is a kitchen you're using and looking so to share? It is. So it is like a nascent kitchen. Okay. <laughs> so um, the way it happened for H.O. Melange was I have a good friend who is also a big fan of my macarons and had been from the beginning. He owns a restaurant. Mm. He and my friends at the yard mm. were huge supporters of mine. And they said, Hannah, listen, you need a kitchen. We have extra space in one of our kitchens. Get a license to be a co-op out of here. So that's, I bake out of the yard in Robinson, Oh wow! but obviously it is not, um, it's also not a storefront for me. So it's just kind of a ghost situation. Um, but that's what allowed me to be legitimate and grow and do markets and do weddings and everything like that. Without that, it would look very different for me because it's a huge investment to Mm -hmm. rent kitchen space. And I mean, I, and this this ties directly into batches, but I feel very strongly that people like me, who are solopreneurs, who are artisan food creators, they're they're underserved in this category because mm-hmm. you're either at home with a cottage license or you are footing the bill for rent at your own bakery and, or food shop most of the time. Yes, and there are options for shared kitchens. I there are. Maybe like, three or four main options in Pittsburgh of varying sizes and yes. cost structures, but a lot of them don't make accommodations for people like us. They don't have us in mind, which is totally fine mm-hmm. because that's not their business model. They can cater to full service food mm-hmm. businesses and food trucks, whereas people like me, I don't need a fryer. I don't need, yeah. you know, a open flame. I don't need a griddle or anything like that. Just give me some chilled storage and an oven and dry storage and I'm good to go. Yes. Um, and the other aspect is, especially when we're small and we're new, we don't need uninhibited access 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times those kitchens are exclusory to small people like mm-hmm. me and it just it just can't work. So my goal was to create a space that would allow small businesses to grow and work in a certified space so that they can get into those markets and can do those larger events that require a certification. I have been looking for batches home for probably the last year and three months. Okay. And we've gotten close a few times. And I'm currently waiting to hear back on a space that mm. I think would be a really great fit. But I'm very picky and I want to make sure that it's the right space, that it's set up to thrive and it's central to Pittsburgh so that regardless of where you're coming from, you're still close to a large market in the city mm-hmm. or if you're doing events in the city and so that your clients, it can be easily accessible for all of them regardless of where they're coming from. So that is the dream. And I I want it to be a space where, you know, you obviously have this kitchen that you can bake out of and grow your business, but I also want you to be able to host classes there if you Mm. want, or offer your confections or your food at the counter for walk-in traffic, just Mm -hmm. to give everyone that stop gap Mm -hmm. between kind of doing it just on your own as a hobby or under the health department radar to actually having your own bakery. If you're only there for a year and then you open your own space, like that's the goal. That's That's what I want to, yeah, exactly. Or if that's all you need and you don't want a storefront, 
you shouldn't have to have one. So that's, I'm just trying, that's the goal. That's the dream for it because I have been very fortunate in my experience to have so many people lend me a hand that Mm -hmm. I just think of how many other amazing small businesses could grow and be more seen if they had an opportunity like this. We will see. Keep your fingers crossed that I get, you know, some good news. Hopefully by the time we air this, I'll hear back because I'm, every time my phone rings, I'm like, oh, Well, yeah, my fingers are crossed right now. And as you talked, I have a couple other folks that I want to interview that I want to connect with you. Oh, perfect. I love that. (laughs) Um, And if you're listening out there, like those places like Fulton Commons, La Dorita, you know, there's some feedback. Yeah, no hate. No no hate hate at all. Yeah, those are great. They're great places. They're just, like I said, it doesn't work for everyone. And I have talked to several people who are interested in what I'm trying to do because they can't, that's not feasible for them. Right. And if, if you're listening, I, I love what you do. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. I know a lot of um, makers that are there. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. You, ha- you have me a step ahead. I usually think about the goals at the end and ask you what you got going on, but you just gave me a big one. I want to ask you about what are some, some big things you've done and, and who are you working with? I, I feel like there was a connection to the cookie table. Oh, um, here for the cookie table? Yeah, or am I wrong? No, 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 you're not wrong. (laughs) The first thing I'll say is that everything I've done is because of a friend that I've made Mm -hmm. or a relationship that I've had. And, I mean, it speaks bounds for the Pittsburgh food community because, one, Yinzers are the most passionate people and some of the friendliest people and the quickest to lend a hand or make Mm -hmm. a connection that I've ever met. I've been so lucky that... When I think this was 2021. Yeah. So this is two years after I officially started. In 2021, I was included in the best of Pittsburgh competition that the city paper puts on. Mm. Um, I little old me did not have a storefront, <laughs> like barely had 2000 followers on Instagram, probably at that point. And it's one, but it's one of the proudest things I've done because it was my customer base that put me up there Mm -hmm. and my other business owner friends that put me up there. The category I think was best baked good in Pittsburgh. So it wasn't even best macaron because if you said best macaron, there's like five people that make them. So I'm like, okay, I made top 10, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it was best baked good. And I was up there with the likes of Oakmont bakery and Le Gourmandine and Gabby at Joel's. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is not real, but I did not win clearly. But I made it into that voting round, that top 10. So out of like 60 plus mm-hmm. nominations, I had enough that it put me in the top 10. It seems it might seem silly um, to some people listening because I didn't. I probably lost by a lot in that final, but I was there. You like my there. name was on the same list. And so that was kind of like, wow, this really solidified that it's real and I, I'm i doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, so and you, and you got there because of your... I'm going to say fan base, but also all of those network connections, everyone that's kind of brought you to where you are. And as you just said so much better, it's the essence of Pittsburgh yeah. getting you there. Definitely. Uh, I lean on Pittsburgh a lot. Uh, so you grew up thank here. You. Yes. Yeah. All so lifelong. Mm-hmm, I'm from the South Hills. I grew up in Elizabeth, oh, which yeah. is probably 20 miles south of mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. For everybody that's from the North Hills, it just like groaned because they thought about Route 51. I get it. <laughs> Uh, my husband and I live in Beaver now, okay. like literally a mile into Beaver. So we're really close to Cranberry. Mm-hmm. It's still only half an hour from the city, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, I also had asked you about the connection to the cookie table. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, Pittsburgh is a wonderful place for connections. And I was lucky enough 
that during one of my wedding deliveries, I was at the PPG Winter Garden and I am taking this cookie, uh, this tower of mm-hmm. macarons and I'm going to set it up. And I was told, okay, we have here for the cookie table is managing our cookie table. And I was like, okay, sounds great. Like there's going to be someone setting it all up. They can tell me where they want the tower. Cause usually that's the biggest question. Where do I put this thing? So I get in there and Marsha Houston, who was the owner of here mm-hmm. for the cookie table, she was on site getting everything set up and she was just so nice and so helpful. And she was so excited that these macarons had a presentation, had a display mm-hmm. for the cookie table. Cause she's like, you know, like they're so nice. And a lot of the times when we get them, they just get thrown on plates mm. or they, you know, they get lost somewhere. They don't get the but, attention they deserve. Right. They're right. basically royalty. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I had worked with her and we just had a really positive experience. She enjoyed the fact that I had this like already ready to go for her and we became fast friends mm. And we've worked together on a bunch of weddings. It, she's amazing. She always, I don't even have to go and put the tower together anymore when Marsha's doing it. She just takes everything and puts it in the perfect place, makes it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like I was talking before about the cohesiveness between your cookie table and the rest of the wedding, she makes the whole table this beautiful focal point. And yes. so so I've leaned on her a lot for um, you know, just working together on different projects and just trusting her with these very delicate cookies. If you look at them the wrong way, they could fall off yeah, the or, tower and oh crack. Gosh. So yeah. you have to be very nice to them. And she always is. And she does a beautiful job. Oh my gosh. What a wonderful partnership. Yeah. She's, she's the, she's the best. Any other big things ahead for the macaron side of your business? Oh, we'll see. Um, I try to always stay very flexible because, you know, if you can't adapt, that's when you have problems. But I have been doing a lot more partnerships with local businesses, whether Mm -hmm. that's retailing out of them or doing collaborations. So my very first business partner in Pittsburgh was Hilltop Coffee in Arlington. Mm -hmm. And I still sell um, out of there. Dan and Jamie are wonderful. It's the cutest little coffee shop. And I joined up with them right after they opened, even after we had moved to Charlotte for a year Mm. in 2022. And even when I came back, it was kind of like, okay, when can we get Max back in Hilltop? Because everybody misses them. (laughs) Oh my gosh, absolutely. So um, that's a wonderful partnership. And I also partner with Armful of Flowers Mm -hmm. on Mount Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, And another, and they also, they retail six packs. We have seasonal like rotating flavors that are just always a lot of fun. We'll have some really cool stuff for all of the holidays and pre-orders. And one of the um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to started last summer, and I'm hoping to expand it to more locations this summer. But I went back to my hometown and I went to uh, the local ice cream shop and I said, can we work together? Can we do something here? And so out of that, uh, myself and Jenny, the owner of Frosty Cone and Elizabeth, we're doing macaron ice cream sandwiches. Oh my gosh. And everybody was so excited. Yes, it was. It's wonderful. It's a great summer treat. It's a little play on, you know, the traditional ice cream sandwich. And we got to do a lot of fun flavors. And like we've said before, they're just so colorful and it's just like a nice little surprise And they're Yes. So they're, they're great. And we've had a really positive feedback from everybody that's gone and has tried them. So I'm going to try to get more ice cream sandwiches that are macaron based in Pittsburgh this summer. I've never heard of it. So you've never heard of it. Amazing. I'm definitely not the first person to have done it. Okay. Um, so I won't take credit for that, but 
Be the trailblazer. Here. Yes, I know. <laughs> Everyone, if you haven't tried them, you really have to oh because gosh. they're, it's like, just. Everything's melty good. Yes. And it's perfect for people who don't, can't have traditional ice cream sandwiches because of a gluten intolerance yeah. because they're just almond flour and sugar. So. Yeah. Gluten free. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that. Before we end today, I did want to ask, like, what are some of the most popular flavor combinations that you get asked Oof. for the most? Do you have a. Oh, a that's, that's tough. Yeah. Cause I'll start, I'll start naming them and then I just won't stop because <laughs> for one, so one weakness of mine is that I have too many flavors oh, <laughs> available, well. but the, it's because there are virtually endless mm-hmm. options. Um, I would say the most popular flavors, salted caramel has always been a heavy hitter. People love it. One of my favorite flavors, and it's also very popular, is almond raspberry. So it's almond raspberry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's an almond buttercream and it has raspberry in the middle of it. And you get that nice, sweet almond flavor. And then you get the tart, fresh raspberry. And it's mm. just, oh, it's my favorite. Birthday cake is huge. Oh, I bet. I have a new flavor that has quickly been very popular, and that's chocolate chip cookie dough. So I know. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, why not? It's not, and it's not actually cookie dough. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, you don't have to worry about the flour aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, There's no raw egg. No, no raw egg. Um, but I make it with a, it's like a very creamy buttercream. It's great. I love all of the different flavors and I love making new ones. I don't know. So like last summer I did a special theme pack called hot girl summer and it was just a bunch of spicy flavors. So yeah, I did, um, jalapeno pineapple margarita blackberry black pepper trying to think it's a hot honey almond one that was super super good and of course flaming hot cheeto macaron which sounds absurd but was actually so good because i put um flaming hot cheeto pulverized flaming hot cheetos in the shell but then i use like a cream cheese based filling to kind of balance out the heat and give it a nice creamy texture. It was, it, it, like I said, it sounds absurd, but people are like, I'm very surprised at how much I like this. <laughs> I, my uh, people can't see it. My jaw has been dropped the last minute. Every time you keep explaining a new flavor, I think this is probably the secret to your success. You can see the passion and just hear it with all of your ideas and all those flavor combinations. It's why folks love you so much. And I hope people find out more about you and thank you. Nothing but bigger yeah. and better things. And the more people that find out, probably the more flavors because someone's going to ask for something obscure and I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to do that. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Hannah, before we wrap up, I always love to give our guests a chance to plug all of their things, uh, website, social media, or anything else you have going on. So go for it. Great. I mean, I feel like this whole thing was a plug. You've been so nice to me. Um, But yeah, if you want to check out my website, whether you're looking to have macarons at an event or a wedding, it's just www.homelange.com. And the spelling for that, if you need it, is A-Y-C-H-O-M-E-L-A-N-G-E. And that's my name on Instagram, on Facebook, pretty much everywhere. Um, I have a TikTok, but I don't think I've posted on it in a year. I'm not very, I'm not that cool. So it just will stick with Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> uh, Batches Bakehouse, the soon to be shared kitchen is that's, you know, that's the handle for mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram there as well. So yeah, if you're looking for a place to call home, if you're looking for a space where you can grow and meet a community of like-minded 
artisan food preparers, I like to call it, come find me. Even if you just want to have a conversation about what that process looks like. I've talked to a few people in the last few weeks just about how I got my business started and with no real intentions of them joining the kitchen. I don't, I'm just here to help. So even if that's not what you're looking for and you just want to have a conversation, happy to be a sounding board. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's all my stuff. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love uh, sort of the ending point you're giving back to sort of in the, in the universe, the way everybody's given to you a little bit of helping hand uh, for their journey. And I do have one final question that I ask everyone that's on the show. What has been the best dish you have eaten this week? Oh, so actually I was just at the Kaufman Tavern in Zelianople mm. with some friends yesterday and I had a lobster grilled cheese sandwich. Oh my. <laughs> it was very good. And it's kind of, it's one of those things where I was like, okay, it's going to be a sandwich. I'm ready for like a handheld, nothing too crazy. But I was like, wow, this is actually tremendous. It, it was, it was great. So the Kaufman Tavern. Yeah. Kaufman Tavern in Zealy. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's a gorgeous space. I'm pretty sure it's a historic building that's been renovated. It's so nice. It's got great atmosphere and everything I've had there has been great. But yeah, I had the lobster grilled cheese sandwich and I was like, yeah, I was like, this is on point. Oh my goodness. Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Doug. This was great. All right. We'll have to do it again sometime once the batches open. Oh something. yeah. Bring me on as batches next time. Okay. I love great. that. <laughs> Up next. The weekly recommend. We want to thank Beano's for being a sponsor on this week's show. With so many sauces and dressings to choose from, Beano's has the answer to your perfect sub, salad, or even pizza. You can find a list of all of their products along with more recipe ideas at conroyfoods.com. Hey, Anna, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me, Doug. So, Anna, you know, in this segment, we always like to give you know, a recommendation mm-hmm. going out to eat somewhere. So, yeah. um, I know you're the pro. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so if there was a, a lunchtime spot that people should know about that yeah. you love, what do you have up your sleeve? Okay. You know what I've been really loving lately? Mm. Brown bear bread. Oh yeah. Company over uh, in Mount, it's in Mount Oliver. Oliver. Yeah. They have a great, it's not only lunch, it's brunch. So mm. they have some great breakfast items, but they are a great spot that I feel like more people need to know about. Yes. Um, they're relatively new. I, I actually don't know if they're a year old. I think they just had their year old. Were they in Carnegie for a little bit and um, then moved? So, yeah, they were operating out of a church mm. kitchen mm-hmm. and making all of their bread in Carnegie. Mm-hmm. And then they got their own brick and mortar up in Mount Oliver. And it is the most beautiful place. It's very cozy. It's great for like a little lunch date if you are looking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they do brunch, but they also sell all of their great breads. Like their sourdough is my favorite. I have it in my freezer at all times. Oh my goodness. For a bad day. <laughs> I uh they're English muffins. Oh my God, how could I forget I, to talk about those? I, I know the sourdough sp- English yes. muffins. I have some right now mm. and I do everything with them. And I make a very great breakfast sandwich. Um, and they do like takeaway orders and stuff they too. Sure you do. can order yeah. ahead of time, right? 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's 
over in Mount Oliver. It's on Brownsville Road. That's right. Yeah. There's a couple other cool spots over there. The Cheese Queen is over there. Yeah. Act Coffee is over there. So you could make a little For food sure. Trip you of could it. walk around up there. And yeah, I love food trips, mm-hmm. like finding areas that have multiple things and Absolutely. walking around. That's the best. And we have a, a ton of great areas in Pittsburgh like mm-hmm. that. There are so mm-hmm. many places that you can just hit up multiple places and have a great day. <laughs> so a lot of people may not know about Mount Oliver, mm-hmm. but you should check it out. Yeah. Brown Bear Bread. Company. (laughs) Company. Okay, we got it. Uh, Go support them. Yes. Thanks, Anna. Of course. You can follow Anna Anthony on Instagram at anna.eats.pgh. This week's listener recipe comes from Jeff B. And it's stuffed cabbage, which is one of my ultimate favorites. Let's give him a call and learn a little bit more about this recipe. Hello? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Doug. How are you, bud? Hey, I'm doing well. Hey, thank you so much for the recipe this week. I have to tell you, stuffed cabbage rolls are probably one of my favorites. So tell me about this recipe. Like, where does it come from? Uh, Well, it is from my mother's mother. I learned a lot of cooking from more my mother's mother, but my my dad's mother also taught me a lot of the Polish recipes. Mm. But believe it or not, this is from my mother's side, which she was Austrian. Okay. And so it was Depression era food, and my grandmother grew up in the Depression era, and she has a very interesting backstory. But I learned to cook primarily from her, and this was one of my favorite recipes of her. So when I was a young age, she taught me how to do this. Now, her version, she doesn't like a lot of spice. So I, when I'm making the recipe I submitted, Mm. there's a lot more spice to it, a lot more flavor, a lot more depth of flavor. With it being uh, depression era stuff, it was very stripped down, very very basic salt, pepper, eggs, rice, meat. It has been modified by me, but it has the the soul of the original recipe is there. Oh, I love it. And if uh, if one of our listeners hasn't looked at the recipe yet that we put online, so you start out with a little bit of ground beef and you season that up, you cook some rice and, and add that in, you boil the cabbage like almost like a whole head and then to get the leaves off. If someone hasn't made this before and and hasn't like rolled up cabbage leaves, is there any tips that you would give them? Yes. Now you'll notice on the outer edges of the cabbage, there's this thing called a spine. It's really, um, it it really holds the leaf to the head. If you cut that spine out, so in other words, you make a rectangle around it and remove it. Mm. that cabbage leaf then becomes a lot more pliable and easier to roll. Yes. Plus that spine really does not have a lot of good flavor in it. And as one of my favorite celebrity chefs, Alton Brown says, that is not good eats. <laughs> so I tend to discard it. Oh, that's a good tip. And so um, you mix up your rice and beef mixture with a bunch of spices. You take the cabbage leaves after you've kind of boiled them and you've cut out that rib. So they're easily foldable. You're kind of making a cylinder, right? <laughs> Yes, it looks like a like almost like a, a cylindrical football shape, as I would put it. Mm-hmm. It's up to the person. If you like a thicker cabbage roll, make it bigger and thicker, and use the outer leaves. If you like a smaller cabbage roll, obviously, but it has to fit and roll in the leaf. Make sure it's sealed. Mm. We're using the, the leaf because you don't want to flood the meat when it's cooking. You want it protected by that cabbage roll. I also remember the other tip in your recipe is if the meat mixture isn't holding together, you might want to add a little bit more breadcrumbs because you don't want them falling apart. 
Correct. Okay. Now that's a texture thing because <laughs> so some people might like it to crumble a little bit so they can combine it with the cabbage. Mm-hmm. Use like, less breadcrumbs, like use less eggs. You like the binding so it stays kind of holds its shape yes, like a meatball. Yes, it's, it, yes. If I want it to maintain its shape. And when you cut into that, I want it to, the knife to be able, you can see where you cut it. It's a nice smooth cut. And it's when it hits your mouth, it falls apart in your mouth and not on the plate. Oh my gosh, that sounds terrific. And so once you make the cabbage rolls, I noticed you you have preheated your oven to 350 Fahrenheit. You stuff them in yes. like a nine by 13. You pour over either mm-hmm. tomato juice or V8 until you cover it pretty well. Yeah, yes. You want to cover it with aluminum foil. Okay. If you leave it out, it's going to burn the top. So you definitely uh, want to cover it. And the original recipe, the way my grandmother taught me, she used to, uh, Campbell's tomato soup. Mm. I like the, the, the V8 in the viscousness of the V8 or the tomato juice, because as it cooks, some of the fat from the meat will seep out into that and you can actually make a nice sauce out of it. Oh, wow. So when you plate it. Yeah. It's made a great sauce yes. for over the, the yes. finished product. Oh, I love it. And, so it's multi-purpose. Oh, very good. You submitted a picture as well with the stuffed cabbage rolls. They look amazing, but there's also another dish on your stovetop sitting right beside it. What is that? That is a broccoli cheddar rice casserole. Oh, I, I think we might have to talk about that on another time. It would be my pleasure. <laughs> okay. Jeff, thanks so much for the family recipe. And um, if you have any more, please send them through. I will be happy to. All right. Thanks so much. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks again to all of our guests and contributors and to Kevin Selecki of Carnegie Accordion Company for providing the music to our show. We'll be back again next week with another fresh episode.